Good morning, Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us over in Appleton and Stevens Point. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this Sunday morning. We are talking about legacy. Our annual legacy offering is coming up next month. As you saw in the promo there just for a second about leaving a legacy for eternity. And I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about what it means to invest in eternity. Uh, a year ago at this time, uh, my wife Debbie the doctors told her that there wasn't anything else they could do for her. I hate preachers that cry. They irritate me. And, uh, and they sent her home to die. And they said it could be a year. But, oh, you know, it had been long enough. She'd been suffering for years as it was. And now to go for another year in her really bad state. But we sucked it up and said, okay. We can do this. But God was gracious to us, and your prayers were amazing. And it was just a few weeks, and she was gone in a lot better place <laughs> than here, although Green Bay is pretty amazing. Uh, you got to admit that uh, it's pretty awesome, but uh, heaven, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> exceeds it <laughs> extraordinarily. Uh, and it's been quite the year of transition for myself and There we go. Uh, anyway, so it's, it's been hard. And, uh, you know, a lot of people said to me, you know, Mark, you should take a year sabbatical. Said, you've earned it. You've been here a long time. A lot of pastors do it for all kinds of reasons. So this will be tough. Just take the whole year off and just, just heal. And I thought, you know, I'll take a month off. <laughs> That's what I did last January. took off and uh, had a lot of wonderful guys coming in and uh, support and, and teach and cover for me, uh, but then just walking through this year and, uh, and starting over again, finding someone new. As I told you before, I don't know how many of you were here when I talked about it, but finding someone new doesn't erase what you lost. It just doesn't. It's like if you have a close friend and they die, it doesn't mean you don't have any more friends. You still have friends, but then you, you still mourn your friend, and, and all year has still been times of mourning. And it hits in the weirdest times. I'll be driving, and all of a sudden you just start crying. You have no reason. No, you know what it is, but there's really no explanation for it. You're in the grocery store. You're in all kinds of weird places. And so there's still uh, healing uh, and recovering from that. Uh, but then starting over again, uh, which has been good, I, I don't do well alone. Mark was not designed to be alone. It's just, you know... I'm like Adam. You remember God put Adam in the Garden of Eden and 
took one look and thought, you know, this, this is a bad idea. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> brought in Eve. But I just want to thank you. This is Thanksgiving. I just want to thank you for being so kind to me this last year. Uh, I probably haven't been 100%, uh, but nobody's been critical. And nobody's been backbiting and nasty to me. And so, Mark, you could have done things better and smarter. I'm sure. I'm sure. That's always the case. But uh, thank God. It's, it's the years past, and uh, we're moving forward. And I'm expecting really great things. You know, there's a lot of guys my age in ministry that are retiring. I have no such intention. Uh, I want to be... I want to torture you for as long as I can <laughs> is, is really my goal. And uh, <laughs> So talking about uh, investing in eternity, talk about someone who invested in eternity was Debbie. And she had done a lot of work and given a lot. And, you know, she's celebrating that today. And uh, we're still here. And we still have opportunities to invest in eternity. And you don't want to miss a great investment opportunity. <laughs> you know, almost anybody, I mean, there's people in this room and in our churches that, you know, you really struggle from paycheck to paycheck. I get that. But there's a lot of people. That a push came to shove, you could come up with $1,000 for an investment. And uh, almost anybody can find a way to come up with 1000 Just stop and think. If we would have invested $1,000 in Apple Computer, they all turned into multimillionaires. All of them. More money than they know what to do with. All because they took $1,000. Now, do I regret missing such an opportunity? Indeed, I do. I, w <laughs> I wish I'd have just coughed up the grand. But you don't know, right? There's so many things like that. The people have become insanely wealthy, some of them from some of the smallest investments because they caught the right opportunity. And when you look later, you just can't help but go, oh, I wish I hadn't missed that opportunity. Well, that is true for us in eternity. Jesus gave a parable in Luke, the 12th chapter, it says that uh, someone in the crowd was listening to Jesus and uh, he's ticked off at his family because that's easy to do. And he yells out at Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So they're fighting over money. You know, pops kicked off. They got to settle, settle, settle the uh, inheritance. And I don't know if you've ever been in such a situation. Some of the nicest people can get mean as a rattlesnake when there's money. I'm telling you, it's an amazing transformation. Sweet as can be, and as soon as their money, the demons come out. And they get all crazy. And sure enough, this has been going on for a long time. This guy's so mad. I'm sure Jesus wasn't talking about anything that had to do with this guy. Just yelled, teacher, tell my brother to share, share the money with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? And then he says to them all, he says, watch out. Be on your guard. Watch out. Be careful against all kinds of greed. Wait a minute. What do you mean it's greed? It's, I should have half that money. Look, 
It's interesting, Jesus didn't make a ruling one way or the other about this inheritance, but he did rule, be careful. Don't let money make you crazy. Even if you think, yes, sure, it should be crazy. I've seen people who uh, get so bitter and angry fighting over inheritances. I mean, they lose their ever-loving minds, and it is spiritually destructive to them. And I think, man, just let them keep the money. Who cares? It's not worth it. Not to your soul, not to your heart. You know, crazy and insane and bitter and angry and can't sleep and constant in a state of wars and attorneys and punching each other in the face. And man, let it go. Be on your guard. Watch out, he says. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. Then he told them this parable. He said, parable, he said the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. This guy's making a lot of money. And he thought to himself, what am I going to do? <laughs> I got so much money, I don't know what to do. That's when you know you're having a good day. When one of your biggest problems is, what do I do with all the money? I must say, I have not experienced this phenomenon, but it would be nice. And he says, I got so much money, I don't got no place to store all this stuff. And he said, I, 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 this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'm going to build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain, all oh, this money. And I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then he says this, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but not rich towards God. No investments in eternity. It's like missing the Apple computer opportunity. You think you feel bad about missing that opportunity, those of you my age who could have taken advantage of it. That's nothing. Multiply that by a million fold is how so many of us are going to feel when we get to the other side and realize we missed the greatest investment opportunity of eternity missing investment opportunities thinking of investing in heaven Jesus gave or uh, Paul gave this very simple exhortation in Galatians the sixth chapter verse 7 he says do not be deceived why because it's easy to be deceived it's easy to fool ourselves into stuff somebody say amen. amen most of us have deceived ourselves into thinking we're really nice people Everybody thinks that, right? I'm fabulous. <laughs> Even if you're a jerk, you're still like, man, I'm great. You know? It's everybody else's problem. We deceive ourselves. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. This is something you cannot escape in life. You will reap what you sow. Someone say amen. amen. You like this jacket? <laughs> it's brand new. I have the attention span of a fly. Anyway, you will reap what you sow. Nobody can escape it. But it's stunning how many people think that they can. About a year or so ago, uh, I wrote a book. I co-wrote it, actually, with uh, Diane Bray over at uh, our Stevens Point campus. Actually, she did most of the work, and I get most of the credit. It's a beautiful system. But uh, it's a book called Don't Be an Ass. Now, I know there's a nasty version of the word ass, and that's not what we're talking about. It's the English language. We speak English. Hablamos inglés. We speak English, all right? Ass is the word for a stubborn mule. 
It's also the word for people who act like stubborn mules. Anyway, there's several versions of asses in this book, which are highly entertaining. So that's the purpose of the book. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. So you can, I encourage couples, you ought to take this book and read a chapter each night before you go to bed out loud. See if it reminds you of anybody in the room. <laughs> you know, and it's just a mirror. So you can kind of say, oh, I shouldn't be like that, you know. You know, mirrors are your friend, right? Look at all these beautiful women here this morning. And I'm sure we're at our campuses. Our church, has, our church is filled with some of those gorgeous women in the world. But at 6 o'clock this morning, it was a whole other story. <laughs> but thanks to a mirror, certain adjustments were made. Praise the Lord for the mirror. And all the men said, amen. amen. Praise God. Okay, so mirrors are our friends. So this is a book that's designed to be a mirror. And, and we talk about different, different types of stubbornnesses, you know. Uh, you know, being a jackass, a smart ass, all kinds of different things. And, and one chapter is don't be a dumb ass. And uh, the purpose of this one is these are people who have no forward radar or the ability to comprehend consequences. And this is a big problem in America today. We are struggling. People don't know how to connect the dots anymore. We see this all the time. People complain about their life and they think it's somebody else's fault. My life stinks. It's somebody else's. It's not, it's fair. Not fair. That guy has more money than me. We need the government to fix that. Yeah, that's who you want fixing things. <laughs> no comp. They can't comprehend that X equals Y. X always equals Y. But they don't get it. What they know is they don't like the Y. The Y ticks me off. But they can't do the math on their heads. The reason you have Y is because you keep doing X. But we don't want to stop doing X. In fact, we fight for the right to do X. I should be able to do X and not have Y. This happens constantly, particularly in, in relations. I deal with couples all the time. And there's couples who deal with this constantly. They, they just don't get it. They don't get it. They, they don't look at the why and do the math and figure out how they got there. Even meeting this young lady. And early on this year, there was a few times I really ticked her off. You would be surprised how mad a blonde can get. You know, I mean, just ticked her off. And if I were a lot of people, I'd say, I don't like that why. That's a horrible why. But I'm smarter than that. I was like, okay, I don't like the why. How did we get here? Oh, I did X. How about I not do X anymore? Because I don't like the why. So I quit doing, did I not stop quit doing the X? I did, yes, because I'm afraid of the why. <laughs> but you have no idea how many couples, you guys do this to each other all the time. And it's as predictable as, you know. You can take it to the bank. You know as soon as you do X, he's going to do Y. And then you come and say, Pastor, get him to quit doing Y. My version is, well, why don't you just stop doing X? Because I don't want to stop doing X. I like my X. I do the math, for heaven's sakes. You know, I remember once talking to a group of pastors. 
and they're wanting some word of advice from me on relationships. I said, honestly, and they're all men, they're men. I said, why don't you just let the girl win? Just let her win. We fight over the stupidest things. Now, if it's major, I get it, but we fight over the stupidest things on earth. Which way to put the toilet paper? You know, squeeze from the bottom of the toothpaste, the middle of the toothpaste, who cares? The, 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 I got emails from people, they were fighting over which way the blinds should go. Up or down, who cares? Just let the girl win. And they all just stared at me. And one older pastor said, but Mark, why would you let the girl win? I said, because I want to get laid at some point. I mean, I don't know what's the matter with you people. Because <laughs> I like that. Why? A lot. I'm just fighting and going all the time. You know, it's hard for me to discuss something. One of the reasons I try to avoid counseling, this is a problem. I've talked about this many times over the years. The reason why I try to avoid counseling is because the minute you tell me you have a problem with anger, then I can't preach about anger. Because as soon as I preach about anger, you're going to think, I'm talking about you. Right? If you got a problem stealing, and I learned that, I can't talk about not stealing. Because I got to say, you shouldn't steal. He's talking about me. I'm not talking about you. Well, maybe a little piece. <laughs> but, you know, but it is what it is, you know. People all the time, I'll say something, I'll write something, I'll do something. They're convinced I'm talking about them. <laughs> I got news for you. Everything isn't about you. And the moon doesn't really follow you when you drive at night. But I'm going to mention what because, and I'm not talking, because I know several couples, you know that I know. But the reason I'm even mentioning it is because it's so prevalent. As much as I have talked about this and preached against this, the number of sexless marriages in our congregation is stunning to me. And talk about X equaling Y. Oftentimes it's the woman who doesn't want to do it with her husband. Sometimes it's the guy who doesn't want to do it with the girl. Talk about X and Y. Your Y is horrible. Your Y is horrible, and you just refuse to deal with the X. And you're just not doing the math. I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, your spouse is going to leave you. Well, we've been at this for 13 years. I'm telling you, at some point, they, they give up. They just give up. I don't know why you guys can't do the math. There's a lot of people like this. As much as I talk, and I'm not talking about you and whoever it is that you think I'm talking about. Sadly, it's a common problem. I don't know what you're thinking. I just don't. Your life is going to end up a disaster. And talk about financial investments. Take all of your assets, everything you've worked to build, and then just rip them in half. That's what's going to happen when you get to the divorce court. And you're all going to point at that. Why? He's leaving me or she left me. Yeah, I wonder why. Because of the big stinking X in your life. 
So what's the problem I have? Then get it fixed. Come get some help. You can't just keep ignoring this. It's not normal and it's not right. And the Bible teaches it's not right. When you say I do, it means I do you, you do me. We don't do anybody else. That's what the I do means. You're supposed to be doing each other. Somebody say amen. Amen. X and Y, nobody can figure out that. There's people who live in a constant state of financial trouble and they can't comprehend the X factor. You think, well, I just need more money. No, you don't. You don't, you don't really understand this. There are people who make hundreds of thousands of dollars who are in constant financial trouble. It started when they only made 40, and it kept going when they made 80, and it kept going when it got to 160, and it kept going when it got to two, three, four, I, some people I know, 500 grand a year, and they can barely go out for dinner because there's nothing in their checkbook. So I don't know why we have this why Because of the X. You got to fix the X. And if you don't know, come get help. We have programs who, what is that money thing we have here? Financial peace. You want to get financial peace? People say, no, I just want more money. <laughs> it's not going to bring you more money. You got to learn to succeed with the money you got now. It's true. We don't handle our money well. There are cold, critical, disconnected people who for the life of them cannot comprehend why they have no friends. It's because you're not friendly. That's the X. And oftentimes I'll have these people come to me and they complain about, you know what's wrong with your church? They're not friendly people. They're not, I've been coming for two whole weeks. <laughs> and no one's been my friend. Well, yeah, you want to be, you gotta be friendly. You want friends in the church? One thing is, as soon as the last amen goes, you don't shoot out the door. And I'm not picking on those of you who shoot out the door. <laughs> but if you're looking to connect with people, you, you stick around, you talk to people. Find out somebody who needs some help. It's one of the best ways to make friends. If you hear someone's moving, hey, I'll help you move. Stuff like that. You get friends by being friendly. But no, we complain about the why. I have no friends. But we forget that. I'm telling you, this is the biggest problem today. And I could go through just a list of whys, one after another, after another, after another. I said, we just don't do the math. X equals Y. You will reap what you sow. You want to be blessed? You want to be blessed financially? Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. You want a plan for the next life? You invest in eternity. What's going to happen is so many of us are going to get over there and we're going to be so disappointed because we so missed the opportunity because we didn't pay attention to the X. We reap what we sow. Jesus talked about laying up treasures in heaven. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. And by the way, you want to be as smart as you can with money, and I don't think this means you can't have some savings and stuff and, and, and retirement and stuff, but don't get obsessed with storing up money and putting money next to that next money so that money's not lonely. You know, everybody's got to have money, 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 money. 
Because the thing about money is it's, it's not guaranteed. You could put it in a bank and the bank could fail. It's happened before. Well, I got a lot of money. My, my retirement account's in the stock market. <laughs> yeah. Achoo! And it can be all gone. It's happened before. How many of you have experienced it? Yes, the hands I see. Yeah. Don't put your, that's, that's as hard as you can. It's hard even to trust in what you can do with it. But one thing you can do, he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where this stuff doesn't happen. Nobody steals. Nothing's rotten. Nothing's going wrong. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love this parable in Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. He was a bad employee. So he calls him in and says, what does I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can't be a manager any longer. And the manager says to himself, uh-oh, <laughs> what am I going to do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm too ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. And this is what the little rascal does. So he calls in because he handles, he's in charge of all the accounts. And, and where the manager went wrong is he didn't take away his position yet. <laughs> he didn't take away his authority. So what the guy does here is actually legal and is okay for him to do, but it's kind of rotten. See what he does? He says, so the manager says, this is what I'm going to do. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, the people who owed the master money, because this guy handles money. He said, how much do you owe my master? One guy says, man, I owe, I owe him 900 gallons of olive oil. The manager says, yeah, do this. Take down your bill. I'll sit down quickly and make it 450. Oh, thanks. Then he asks a second, how much do you owe? Man, I owe 1,000 bushels of wheat. He says, I'll tell you what, take your bill. Make it 800. Well, when the master found out about it, you'd think he'd be really ticked, right? Look what it says. Is Jesus said the master commended the dishonest manager because he'd acted shrewdly. <laughs> he was smart. The guy where he blew it is he didn't take away his power to do this. He still left him in power. By the way, if you're going to can somebody, take their keys. You know what I'm saying? So this guy leaves him in power. He says, I'm, I'm straighten everything out because I'm going to can you. So this guy takes it. He has the authority because it, all that authority has been invested in him to deal with the guy's accounts. And he goes to all these people and he cuts all their bills way down. Well, now he's got all kinds of friends. <laughs> Talk about making friends, right? Being friendly. I mean, doesn't, doesn't mean you should rip off your employer. But anyway, the point of this is, is that he acted shrewdly. And then Jesus said this, the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light. He says, sometimes non-believers are smarter than believers. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. We can literally affect, we, and this, I know a lot of people don't grasp this. They think that what happens after you die is out of your control. It's just, you know, it's not. That's what people don't understand. Once you come to faith in Christ, and you can't earn that, but once you come to faith in Christ, your eternity is going to be affected by what you do. You literally are going to affect how you are treated and how you are received and the rewards you're going to receive in heaven. And it's a concept that many of us struggle with so much. 
That's why we have this legacy thing. The point of this is saying, I'm going to invest in eternity. I'm going to, this once a year, we slow down, we think, what can we do? Maybe we'll take a, you know, get a less nice car, you know, save a few thousand bucks and get stepped back. And, but, you know, maybe uh, we won't take that extra vacation. Maybe we'll, uh, we won't buy that, you know, 500-inch TV, we'll get a 300-inch TV, you know, whatever that we're going to do. And just accordingly say, you know, we're going to just stop, reevaluate, what can we give and invest? What investment opportunity? How much can we put in this investment opportunity in eternity? Last year, we had our most successful legacy offering ever. And the things that we did throughout the year, we were touching people's lives all over the world. The vast purpose of, of this, more than anything, was to give it away. <laughs> Just to give it away. We gave it to other people. We helped other people. The, the Myanmar missions, we built a water tower there. We did the, the Christmas outreach there. Uh, the, uh, uh, we invested in, and gave a donation to, uh, they're called Ark Churches, these guys. We invested in planting, uh, helping to plant 100 churches in America this last year. Wow, we, we, what you gave, we, we just took it and we just gave it to others. This isn't so we can sit on many fat cats with ourselves. This is so we can give to others. Give and it will be given to you. The Animan Islands ministries that we're able to give there. The private school, school tuitions through some of these people in very poor countries. The medical supplies that were able to be uh, raised. Uh, the dorms and stuff. Um, uh, Jimmy Bratcher is one of our home missions opportunities. We made it possible for him to produce the book that he did. Uh, that's uh, going all over the place and helping them raise more money. Um, Rawhide's Boys Ranch uh, that we helped uh, transact Hope over in Stevens Point. Uh, St. John's Homeless Shelter, Freedom House, these here right here in Green Bay. Uh, in Haiti, in Honduras, the wells that we put, uh, gave to the organization Feed My Starving Children, all kinds of different things that we were able to do to invest in eternity. And those of you who are particularly in that are going to be welcomed by people in eternity you've never met. They'll just be huddled all over you. Good to see you. I don't know you. Oh yeah, but we know you. Because I'm here because of what you did. I'm here because of what you did. My life was different. My life was changed. I came to know Jesus because of the investment that you made. When you get to heaven, you don't want to just walk in and nobody says hi to you. <laughs> Because you didn't do anything. You, you didn't do anything. You didn't invest in anything. Some people were very, very kind. And uh, gave thousands of dollars to build uh, a music hall for the uh, uh, orphanage over in Myanmar. And they wanted to dedicate it to Debbie. The Deborah Ann Gugger Music Hall. I apologize. I'm not kidding. I hate pastors who do this. I just, I'm not keeping it together this morning, but uh, 45 years, a long time. So anyway, Phil and I are going to Myanmar in a few weeks to go and dedicate the hall. 
So we're excited about it. And thank you for helping to do that. And things on and on, what we did in South Africa, what we helped with the T1 missions programs, the churches that we plant, all the different things that we do, the television program that we do. It's amazing how many thousands of people listen to this rambling every Sunday on TV. And many of you have come to this church because you've seen that. This is our way of reaching out to our community. All of that becomes possible because of the generosity. And when you do that, you are leaving an eternal legacy. That's what we're talking about. What can I do to affect forever? And, and again, in a few weeks, we're going to be taking that special offer. I just hope that in the meanwhile, you will have a chance to reflect and say, what can, what can we do? What can we do? You know, no one's asking you to put your family at risk or do anything financially stupid. It's just, what can you safely do? What personal sacrifices can you make? Say, you know, we could write a really nice check in this amount just, just to give it away, to help other people, to invest in eternity, laying up treasures, as Jesus said, in heaven. Now, uh, Maybe you're here this morning and you're new to Celebration Church. Uh, maybe you're new to faith. Maybe all this whole talk about God and all the singing and stuff that we've been doing and praying is really, really different uh, for you. Um, let me encourage you. The best thing you can do if you want to affect eternity is to know Jesus. <laughs> That's where it all starts. And I said, as I said earlier, you can't buy it. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. Uh, all you can do is reach out in faith and accept his grace and forgiveness into your life. That's what this is all about. Uh, I'm going to ask the ushers to get ready in our various campuses to uh, get ready for the serve communion because we're going to take this time of communion where we're going to reflect on what God did for us, Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. His body was broken so that we could be made whole. And that's what all of this is really about. We start there, knowing him, experiencing his forgiveness, letting his redemption power. I want to do a mess, message on redemption where you take something that's totally broke and it seems like there's no value left and you redeem it and you bring it back. That's what he does for all of us. You ever feel like, gee, my life is a mess? Welcome to the club. The beautiful thing, he can take the most broken life and he redeems it. He puts his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness and he gives a new start and that's what sets us up for eternity in the first place. Uh, so um, I'm going to pray a prayer together. I'm, I'm going to ask all of us to pray at, at the various campuses and stuff. We'll all bow our heads. And, uh, if you've never really accepted Jesus Christ in your life, if you pray this very simple prayer, you could take your first steps of faith today where you can experience God's grace in your life. And you then can start to affect eternity. Uh, not just with money, but in kindness and things that you can do where you are going to take advantage of the greatest investment opportunity ever offered by planning for eternity. As nice as this life can be, it's temporary. It goes really fast. We're not going to be here all that long. We'll be moving on. Uh, best to pay attention to dealing with eternity because it's going to be a really long time. Let's bow our heads and pray together and I invite you to pray this prayer with me. And if you've never really opened your life to Christ, if you'll pray this prayer with us, this is a great time for you to do that this morning. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and that you love me so much. You went to the cross 
and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins, to redeem me. I surrender myself to you now. Amen.